Hey everybody, welcome back to the Process Podcast. I'm Nick Veronica, and I am not joined by my best friend, Charlie Bukowski. He had something come up today, but sucks for him because he missed our special guest, Dr. Kyle Trimble. You know him as at bills on Twitter. And uh, what that means is he's the guy, he follows Bill's injuries. He's a physical therapist by trade and he diagnoses them. And of course, we are talking to him this week because Josh Allen appears to have hurt his elbow. And in Kyle's educated guess, uh, he's actually projecting Josh Allen to miss about three weeks. So he's going to explain his reasoning why. Thank you, Dr. Kyle, too, for coming on. You can find him on Twitter at bangedupbills. So thank you to our sponsor, Ethos Performance Rehab. Thank you to Dr. Kyle. And if you have a question for us, hit us up on Twitter and we will answer it on the next episode. Thanks for listening. Dr. Kyle Trimble, thank you so much for coming on here. You guys know him as at banged up bills on Twitter or that injury guy is how someone once referred to you at a bar when I was looking for the bills. Uh, you, I got to imagine with the Josh Allen injury, you are the busiest guy in town hopping on every show and podcast around. That is very true. Yeah. Between all the family stuff and uh, bill stuff, I am very busy, but th- this is, this is why my platform exists for when these type of events happen. All right. Well, we appreciate you taking a few minutes here to talk about Josh Allen's injury with our audience. Uh, let's just start start from the start. Uh, watching watching the injury live, what did you see and what was your first thought? Watching it live, you saw something happen. As a fan, I was more focused on the end of the game. Like That was my primary focus. And then you go back and watch the replays. You're like, oh, that doesn't look so good. And then you start hearing the post-game press conferences and people start talking about it. That's where like the avalanche of, of information start taking off there. And then you start digging into it more and you're like, okay, well, it could be UCL. It could be some other stuff. And then you see the reports come out and they're just been kind of building on top of each other. And this is kind of where we're getting to. And we're not even halfway through the week as we talked tonight on Wednesday. So, um, I mean, injuries happen. It's football. But obviously when your quarter billion quarterback is injured, that takes a little more, um, gives you a little more concern. All right, uh, so there have been a handful of reports out there. They're mentioning the elbow ligament, the UCL. Uh, one report mentioned some nerve uh, possible, that, that he hurt, hurt his nerves in the area. Um, just t- tell people, I, I was reading your story about just explaining the technical terms, what this is. What I'm interested to hear about is, is why a quarterback with an elbow ligament injury, especially UCL, is different from a, a pitcher. who Because when you hear a pitcher has a UCL, it's like, oh, my gosh shut him down for the year, but a quarterback with, with the throwing mechanics is, is different. I'm hoping you can uh, maybe tell people in a smarter way than I could why why that is. So you get the UCL. It runs on the inner portion of the elbow. Uh, it connects the humerus to the ulna and just acts as a medial stabilizer for the elbow so it doesn't dislocate and, and um, doesn't move around more than it should there. Uh, the elbow is primarily a hinge joint, which means it's going to flex and extend and not really do much else. You do have your radius in there, which helps you with the rotation of the hand, but that's a different bone. It articulates with a different part of the humerus and with the ulna. Um, more so the ulna with that, I should, I should clarify. So the difference in baseball pitching and football is, is how they throw there. So when you get pitching, you're definitely – it's a, both motions are, are full body in terms of your legs, your, your torso, everything else like that. But you got more of the overhead motion for the baseball – in terms of your shoulders abducted at 90 degrees, your elbow is bent at 90 degrees, and your uh, 
shoulder is back in more extra rotation. So that's where you kind of see it flying down and it kind of not acts like a catapult, but kind of does where you see it kind of flipping forward there or flying forward, as you say. So you're putting a lot of stress for the the shoulder through the elbow. Uh, We used to see more rotator cuff issues in baseball, and it's more translated to the elbow just because of the speed at which guys are going and the the frequency which you're pitching. So you get the overhead motion for baseball, whereas football, you get that more kind of three quarters. Um, I know there's different um, phrases that people use for for baseball. There's a three quarters, a submarine. Um, I, I'm the, the other ones are escaping me right now. But if you watch different pictures, all different uh, techniques and and different forms how they throw. Football, you're seeing more of a three quarters if you want to make a comparison to that. And so the arms, the elbows, definitely more straight coming through. They're using so their full body to throw through there, but they're also throwing with uh, less speed. Because uh, the football is bigger than a baseball, obviously. Um, they're also uh, throwing less. I mean, a baseball pitcher is going to be throwing, you know, 90, 100 pitches as fast as they can, as hard as they can, you know, a few times a night. Whereas a football player is throwing, you know, if they're throwing 50, that's a lot for them in a, in a game. And they're not throwing every pass as hard as they can. Now, Josh Allen might throw as hard as he can, but generally there's some touch to it. There's there's handoffs. They get some breaks in between there. Uh, so there's just a lot less stress placed through the elbow. It doesn't mean that there's not stress placed through it. it just There's just less stress and uh, less frequency overall. Okay. Does the shape of the ball have anything to do with that? Uh, maybe, but I wouldn't consider that too much of a factor uh, when it comes to um, throwing. I mean, I <sighs> yes and no. I mean, I, you have to grip a football differently than you do a baseball. So that thing that's going to impact how you throw and what you want that ball to do there. So uh, in a sense, yes, but um, I think it just how you deliver the football is, is probably more important than the size of the ball. Okay. All right. So, I guess that there's a long-winded answer to to, to say <laughs> that uh, this inj- uh, an injury like this is probably less devastating than it would be uh, thought of in in other sports. So yes. the fact that again, correct me if I'm wrong here, the fact that he was able to launch a bomb after that with, with you know at least fairly good accuracy kind of hit Gabe Davis maybe right in the mask and he should have caught it. But, you know, that's a subject for later. Uh, that, that at least implies to, to me that he's, this injury is not, is not horrible. Um, Correct. So I, you know, I read, I read your piece in your, in your uh, educated guess of what the injury might be in the timeline here. Just, you want to, want to share any thoughts on that with, with, uh, with our audience? So he's dealing with a, at least a grade one, more likely grade two. Uh, the reason why I think grade two is because, Ian Rappaport and all the other big NFL national reports, they said that there's a tiny tear. So when I hear tiny tear now, ligament sprain is partial tearing. Now mm-hmm. the grades are, are dependent on severity. So grade one, you get more microscopic tearing. You're not gonna have any instability. It's gonna be kind of just relatively minor uh, grade two. You have some minor instability, um, pain, swelling, uh, you're going to see some partial tearing of the ligament itself. And then grade three, you're, you're talking like mostly fully ruptured. You, there's a lot of instability. You can't really do a whole lot with it there. So when they see that there's a tiny tear, even tiny tear, that tells me that's at least a partial grade two, um, you know, having a ligament torn 50% is going to be more severe than a tiny tear. I'll, I'll give you that. But if you're seeing an MRI, then I'm, I'm concerned that there's a longer healing time for that. And I thought based off of that, 
how they managed the injury last time and what he means to the organization, I suspect he's going to miss three games. Part of that is because of Thanksgiving game. And I think mm-hmm. he's not going to play in Vikings game. I mean, I know they're saying he's day to day, but there's just no way. Like I just, could you see Danielle Hunter coming off the edge and just ripping his arm off? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like they know it's injured. So like why put him out there that soon? Uh, against the Browns, okay, maybe you make a case for that. So, but even if he's not ready for the Browns, why is he suddenly ready for the Lions? And you're playing against two NFC teams, a lowly AFC team that does want to beat you. I mean, every team wants to beat you, but why rush him back out there, especially when we got three AFC East games back to back to back, you know, coming in December? All right, so there's uh, two 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 ways I want to go from here. One one is the short term this year, and then and then after that, I want to talk about offseason and long-term recovery but so this season you are you're projecting they will be safe with him and hold him out three games Let, let's just say uh for argument's sake here that they decide that they they want to play him today or, or this coming week um again totally speculative here but given the fact that he was able to keep throwing after the injury last week I assume he would at least be able to somewhat perform. But if he were to return immediately, what type of, of risks or, or limitations would you, would you think he would have with what you believe his injury to be? He's going to have trouble with accuracy. He's going to have trouble with the deep ball. He's going to have trouble with um, keeping his accuracy throughout the game. I mean, there's difference with the accuracy at the beginning of the game and the end of the game, but the anger that shoulders, the elbow is going to get more angry as you go on, even with, all sorts of injections, whatever they can do, bracing. At some point, guys are going to just start targeting them. They're going to provide pressure. They're going to try to hit the, the elbow. And just going to get things more angry. And he's not going to be able to grip the football as well because it's going to be swelling in there. Um, I just, and then there's the risk of causing further damage. I mean, let, let's take that arm and stretch back even further in that same position again. You know, who's to say that that can't happen again? Suddenly you're looking at a full rupture and, and then, you know, your Super Bowl window is, is gone. Okay. So now again in the short term here, a ligament is is not it, it's not it's not a muscle. It's not it doesn't have blood flow. It's not going to rejuvenate itself like that. What are you gaining by sitting out those 3 weeks that you're projecting? Well, a ligament does have blood flow, uh just less than a tendon would be or some other structures in there, but um okay. they, they just take a little bit of time to heal. But I mean it it was a it was accurate in that um it has less blood flow, but it there's not anything in the body that doesn't have any blood flow, but there's structures in the body that have better blood flow than others. So, so um, sitting out just allows things to kind of calm down in there. You let the body go through the healing phase um, and then just let the body start trying to repair itself. And they're probably going to do some things like PRP injections. They're going to try to do some um, ultrasound doesn't really work um, in my opinion, but there might be some stuff they're going to try doing for that. They're going to use a hyperbaric chamber. They're going to try anything they can to just try in the area and just make sure that the body can slowly load that tissue back up there. You don't want to suddenly, you know, have something that kind of, um, you don't have an injury there and then start trying to ask it to do ability right away there. You want to slowly kind of ease yourself back into it. So, that's where I think the benefit of, of sitting out the amount of time, allowing the body kind of naturally heal and then slowly loading back up without pain is the key for this. Okay. I, I just got to ask my own curiosity here. You mentioned the possibility of a PRP injection. Would you just uh, explain to people w- what that is and, and then follow up? It would be, are you aware of, of precedent for that in this type of injury? 
Um, we do see that with a lot of uh, players. I know that they're doing that in baseball. They've done that with basketball. They've, they, while, um, I always get the acronym wrong because I always want to say plasma, but I think it's um, platelet rich. I, I can't remember what it is right now because I, I I know it, but it's one of those things I don't think about too often there. But basically what they do is they do yeah, take platelet rich so plasma. Thank you. I, I always get mixed up. I'm glad that you just you clarified so I don't have to think <laughs> about it and stumble. So anyway, uh, it's just easier to call PRP. So anyway, uh, they, they take the red blood cells and they put in a centrifuge and they try to uh, concentrate it um, and just try to um, then re-inject it back into the, the area where they're trying to heal up. And the idea is you're bringing uh, the red blood cells, which bring oxygen to your body, and you're just trying to bring any good nutrients to that area to try to maximize the healing there. So uh, from my understanding, it doesn't speed up healing. And it's not like you can suddenly shave two, three weeks, but it allows for more complete healing. Um, so I think that's where the benefit of that is. And then, um, you still want to go through your rehab, everything else like that, but then you're just kind of, I want to say you're not, put, you're not putting a bandaid on it, but you're, you're just giving yourself the extra assurance that, Hey, we're doing everything else we can. Let's do this one extra thing to make sure that it gets it over the hump to get fully healthy. Okay. Interesting. All right. And maybe, maybe I, I need to slightly backtrack here just, just for the sake of clarity with our audience, would you uh, just explain why a ligament isn't the type of, of tissue that's going to totally regenerate itself. I, I mean, it, it can, but you're going to have scar tissue laying down in there. And just like any other injury, your, your body's trying to uh, heal as fast as it can. and It can remodel over time. So um, you're going to have some scar tissue build up in there and you want to make sure that scar tissue heals properly. You don't want to keep stressing that because scar tissue is not as strong as the original tissue. Your body does adapt things over time. So it's not like you have a permanent, injury where it's never going to get better but um you don't want to stress the area too soon to where it doesn't quite fully get better it's like picking a scab off you know if you pick a scab off too soon it's gonna start bleeding so it's all process again but if you let that thing fully heal then you're unlikely to have a scar later on um you're unlikely to have problems down the line um in terms of um you know from a scab standpoint cosmetic but we're talking a ligament you want to make sure it heals up properly so you're not having any residual laxity in there okay all right, Dr. Kyle, triple at banged up bills here. T- tell us, so let's say Josh Allen is out three weeks. That puts him back. Uh, looks like the Patriots Thursday night game on the road. Are we looking at 100% Josh Allen that game? Like, like where are we at that point? Like, like the benefit of sitting out gets him to where? It's hard to say because we don't know where he's at right now. I'd probably put him at 50, 60% right now. But I think if you give him that three weeks to sit out, you're probably looking at um i'm looking at more like 85 percent. so like i think there's still some healing that has to happen in there okay. but i believe that he would be able to throw without pain he would be able to grip the ball effectively and he would be able to perform all the throws without hesitation and then you would at least have enough healing in there that if he does get hit in that area that you're not gonna you could make it worse but it's not like you're you're not gonna make it worse where you couldn't come back later on if you need to take more time off gotcha all right, so then let's uh, let's go to this offseason. Let's let let's say that this does go as you're projecting, roughly three three games out after the season. Does, I'm gonna, I'm going to assume that this this would not need a surgery, but but just t- tell tell some people your thoughts on what he would be looking at after the season. Um, he's gonna make sure he does his rehab, his exit physical, make sure there's not anything underlying there. I see no reason for surgery unless it does get to the point where it's significantly you know 
blown apart, which we would know that prior to the end of the season. Mm-hmm. But I think he's going to just take some time off, let his body an extra heal. Um, he said in the offseason himself, he doesn't do anything but golf. I'm sure he does other stuff. That. You know, we know he works with Jordan Palmer, but um, he's going to do what he needs to do to get ready. I mean, he has every resource available to rehab and make sure there's not any problems with that. So, um, I, there, there should be no reason for surgery unless he were to injure it to that extent. But even then the surgery, uh, techniques have gotten better to the point where he could get that and come back, um, to start potential next season, depending on God forbid, if he were to hurt it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's not, let's not go there because I, I, that's why you let him rest of that scenario later on. Okay. Just that curiosity, you know, you know, we're projecting him. He could, you know, safely enough return after three games. If they wanted to wait until he was, you know, a hundred and totally a hundred percent, how long would that take? Uh, if you look at a grade two, which I think it's, that's what it is here based off of the information we have probably six to eight weeks for that thing to fully heal down where it feels real good there. So that guy goes back to where I said 85% where it's like, yeah, it's probably there just still needs a little bit more time healing up, but uh, a deep ball as far uh, okay. right now, like it couldn't throw it. I mean, he threw it 70 yards, which is incredible. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of that was adrenaline driven, Yeah, but maybe you just say, Hey, we're not going to, you know, um, air it out every, you know, third, the short intermediate, mm-hmm. you bomb it out once or twice a game, kind of keep it, keep the defense honest. But um, if you're doing that 20 times a game, yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So, so maybe, maybe I'm, I'm extrapolating here, but, but there's the world where case Keenum comes in, they're still winning. They have comfortable leads in the division, maybe even in the conference. He Josh, they could keep Josh Allen out until Christmas, maybe ju- just to be extra safe. If there's no need to rush him back. I, that I, I, I take a deep breath as a fan with that. I hope that's not the case there. I mean, if you have that luxury, I, I, I'm, do I'm that, incorporating win, wins into this scenario. So that, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I whew, man, if you did that, then I, I don't think you create a quarterback controversy in a, um, you got on some of the local radio and that might be a different conversation there. So uh, we, we don't need Josh Allen cut him. No, I mean the God, geez, if you could do I that, think his man, job is safe. I'm just going to go. Yeah. Yeah. There. But um, yeah, if you can afford him the extra time, you're coming three and Oh, like why not? But I just, I don't see a guy like Josh Allen willing to sit out that long. I mean, if the injury is that severe, sure. But mm-hmm. if he said, Hey, I could do it, get me back out there. And I, I think you'd have to be chaining them up somewhere back in new era field or no, not new era higher mark and just threatening him from reason why he wouldn't be out there. Okay. All right. Well then let me, you know, we're, we're just dealing hypotheticals here. Let's, <laughs> let's go the other way. You know, football is of course a game where people uh, feel pressure to return as soon as possible. If, if let, let's say uh, this week or even next week, Josh Allen is out there on the field. What does that tell you about about the state of mind of of the Bills coaching staff? I don't think that tells me too much about the state of mind of the coaching staff. I think it tells me more about the state of mind of the medical staff. I think that tells me that they're confident in his imaging, their assessments, how he feels, and how he's performing. Um, and then I think that gives the the coaching staff confidence. To say, let's do what you got to do there. So if it's not as severe as I'm thinking, or he's better fine get him out there um but i think it's more indicative of the medical staff than the coaching staff 
Is this the type of injury a brace could help with? The brace is certainly going to help protect it. Um, it's not going to suddenly, you know, push strap a brace on. Suddenly he's going to throw a hundred yards instead of 70, <laughs> but he wants to provide, provide protection to the area. And I think because of the brace and, um, the throwing mechanics of the elbow, the shoulder and whatnot, mm. you can still get what he's done. And he did pretty well with the brace once he came back, even after his uh, 2018 injury. So um, you're just looking more for protection and just make sure that if then you have that external um, support on the outside mm. to prevent it from causing as much damage okay. as the original injury did. I'm going to be honest with you. I was reading your story and you had mentioned that and I had forgotten that he played with the brace on. I was, you know, back when he heard it a few years ago <laughs> and I was assuming uh, that would just be so uncomfortable. You wouldn't want that on there, but, but I had forgotten that he did play with that. And you said, yeah. you said the results were fine. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd have to go back and look at what his stats were, but I know the game slowed down for him. He did say that. Um, and they end up, I think they were what, like two and they, they weren't doing very good when his rookie year, they strung together some wins at the end of the season when he, I think part of it was scheduled, but I think him just getting comfortable with the NFL game, um, led to him doing obviously what he did the next few years. Okay. All right. Last thing uh, on Allen here, the, the reports that, that there could be nerve injury involved with this as well. Uh, that hasn't seemed to be mentioned as much, but just does that scare you more? Is that, is it, was that just expected with, with such stretching? What did you think about that? Um, it's a little concerning, but the reason why they're looking at it is because the ulnar nerve does go down around that same area where the UCL is. Um, it goes down around the humerus and then uh, up, up along the ulna there. So you can actually palpate your your ulnar nerve um, if you hit your funny bone, if you will. Like mm. if you think about where you hit that at, that's where that's at there. So when he got hit back like that, the arm rotation, the shoulder did, the elbow was put into an valgus force and the wrist was put into extension. So if you were to go try doing that yourself there, so come up like that there and mm -hmm. like almost like you're trying to hold a, like a, a service tray over top, you start getting a pulling sensation up through the outside portion of your uh, hand. And then mm -hmm. the more you stretch it, the more it is there. So that's a I'm doing uh, it right now. I'm feeling it. <laughs> yep, exactly. So he did that to some extent when he got his hand, you know, almost ripped off there. Um, so that biases the ulnar nerve and we can do that for lot of stretching interventions. Like if people have nerve issues and things like that, but they wanted to make sure there wasn't any nerve damage because that was some uh, abrupt stretch to that area. So I'm sure they did a nerve conduction velocity test because you saw he was holding his wrist and kind of shaking. I'm sure he had that pins and needles feeling. So they wanted to make sure there wasn't any associated damage with that sun stretching that there. And then we're seeing that, be mentioned less thinking that that's um, not an issue, but if he did have damage to that, that would affect his grip strength. And then that could affect his uh, feeling in his, his, um, his fourth or fifth fingers, which could lead to him having less touch on the ball and then fumbling things like that. Okay. All right. Dr. Kyle, this has been very informative here. Um, any other bills injuries uh, interesting to you, Jordan Poyer, Matt Milano, anybody else? Uh, Poyer, um, he didn't practice on Wednesday and that's when we're talking and he's, I think there's something more going on with his elbow than, than they're letting on. I mean, they're not going to tell us what is going on, but I think he has something a little bit more going on with him. He didn't wear the brace for the first time all season and then goes re-injures the elbow like that. Yeah, that was, that so, was interesting. Yeah. So, um, I think there's something more with that there, but I mean, he's a contract year. He has chance to win a Super Bowl. I think he's going to try gutting it out, but, um, I, I don't. Something, something more is going on with him. Let's just let's just leave it at that. And then, um, Mitch Morse or not Mitch Morse, 
he's looking better. He, he should be coming back. Um, a little concerned about Tremaine Edmonds with the groin. Um, he did have the heel last week. And then we know Greg Rousseau was dealing with a left high ankle sprain. Uh, he got rolled up on by Tyler Conklin. He did manage to stay another six plays into the game um, until he had to come out um, at the end of the half. And um, his going to be a week to week. And looking at how they managed that, we had Jake Humero miss three weeks with a high ankle. We had Ed Oliver miss three weeks with the high ankle. So you're looking probably in the same ballpark for uh, Greg Rousseau. All right, and then uh, maybe too, let's sit on Tre'Davious White. I feel like we had you on this podcast almost a year ago at this point, and I feel yep. like you, you and me were some of the first people saying Tre'Davious White is not coming back nearly as soon as people seem to think here. So maybe, uh, just maybe, uh, you could bring bring another dose of uh, of calm to the podcast. I think this is totally normal and expected so far. Looking at how they've handled things historically, yeah, it is normal speculated that he would come back in week two because I thought he would be activated to the active roster um, just to get on the active roster and start practicing. But I think the team saw how well they're doing without him and the benefits of keeping him on the, the um, pup list for a longer duration, just because he used active um, roster spots and then prevent compensation injuries such as hamstring and quad to calf, things like that there. So um, to see him come back now, isn't surprising. I want him back, but I think a little bit of my fan, uh, my fandom came out in that. Uh, but even when he does come back, he's still not going to be all pro Tredavious White. He's going to be kind of like a, a Levi Wallace. You get the job done, but you're going to get beat from time to time. Sure. All right, uh, Dr. Kyle, I think that that's all I have for you today. I do. I have one other question for you. I see behind you, you have Sabres flag on your wall. <laughs> Jack Eichel returns to town again this week. Do you still care? Nah, I mean, I haven't been following the Sabres for so long just because they've been so bad. I see that they're doing well, and I kind of want to pay attention. I, I, I see the box scores, but Eichel, I mean, it's just such a bad chapter in Sabres history that you just want to erase. And um, I know it was acrimonious at the end with his injury, but, I mean, good good for him. He, his health, um, hopefully that opens the door for other guys, but – Eichel, go make your money. Maybe, maybe try to make the playoffs, but yeah. So you're saying there's not a banged up Sabres coming in the future? <laughs> uh, if you could figure out how to pay my mortgage for me, I'll do it. But uh, <laughs> until then, I, I can't. I have dabbled into that stuff. We got into Jack Eichel. We've gotten into some other guys there. But uh, yeah, if, it's, if somebody could figure out how to pay my mortgage, I could do that wow. stuff. Yeah, Sounds like you, just need a, you need an intern. Uh, not even intern. I just need to hit the lottery. I mean, <laughs> that's what I got to do. <laughs> All right. Well, neither of us won Powerball because we're still on this podcast, but that's uh, true. <laughs> really, really appreciate you taking the time. Tell the people where they can find you again. All right. So I'm on Twitter at uh, banged up bills on Facebook, Reddit, Instagram, all the same. You can find my work at banged up bills.com. Uh, I do write and do content for cover one Buffalo rumblings. You see my weekly appearance on locked on bills Gridiron Heroics, and Buffalo Late Night. All right. Dr. Kyle Trimble at Banged Up Bills. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Have a good night. Thank you, Nick. Have a good night. All right. That was uh, at Banged Up Bills talking about Josh Allen. Um, I do got to say, guys, uh, Charlie Wachowski could not be here with us tonight. I'm holding it down for him. And Charlie, even if I won the lottery, I'd still do this podcast with you, buddy. You know it. It's true. Um, all right, so Kyle, I'm going to let you go here from our stream. And 
I'm going to say, hey, I was I was kind of relieved hearing that. Um, Dr. Kyle always gives you uh, an even keeled uh, an even keeled look at things. He's not going to not going to blow something up just 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 for clicks. He's going to say what he thinks. And he's going to give you rational thoughts and he's going to be calm about it. And that's what we like. Uh, keep it keeping Josh Allen out three weeks. All things considered, doesn't sound horrible to me. Um, football, football is a violent, dangerous game. People get injured all the time. You know, this is this is kind of expected. This is exactly what they signed Case Keenan for. This is, um, I I, I don't know. Like, th- there's no need to rush him back. This is not. This is not a, a must-win game. This is not a playoffs. This is not winning your end. It, you know, it's week ten against the Vikings in a in a non a non division game, non conference game. I know you, you know you want the win after after a letdown against the Jets. You don't want to lose back to back. They got Minnesota this week, Cleveland, Detroit, and then at the Patriots, and then Jets again. Not exactly a mur- murderer's row of, of teams coming up here. I, I there are certainly scenarios where Case Keenum gets them. A handful of wins here, and that's that. That's okay. I don't feel like, at least looking at it the way it is now, at the Bills at six and two, they're still number one in the AFC. Okay, number one. No need to rush Josh Allen back. At least currently, if things things go nuts in the next couple of weeks and they drop down a bunch, and it looks like the Jets and Dolphins are still threatening in the division, which let's be real, I think they're both going to fall off a little bit. Jets more so than the Dolphins. But hey, that you know, then we revisit that. Then we talk about getting this guy back on the field maybe sooner than we would like. But until that point comes, I'm fine. I'm fine with it. I, I'd rather have him out there. I'm, I'm not saying I'm pulling for Case Keenum to start all these games, but th- this is exactly what you signed him for. You had Matt Barkley in the fold. He's still in the fold. He's on practice squad. He's probably going to be promoted before the game this week. I'm not expecting Josh Allen to play. Sean McDermott loves to do the uh he's gonna be limited in practice and he he might play but he might not and let's make the other team prepare for both because it's some kind of huge psychological edge or it takes time out of their practice or sean mcdermott loves those games so don't don't expect to hear anything out of his press conferences but i don't know that's just where i'm at i'm not super worried sorry it's not a hot take uh last thing from me Savers, Jack Eichel is coming back with Vegas on Thursday. Yeah, I still think this matters. This guy came back last year for the first time, and it was really like a tale of, of two days. He he talked at uh, at the pregame practice the day before the game last year, had a bunch of nice things to say about, about uh, he wished they had one more for Rick Jenneret. He was seemed like he grew up a little bit. And then he got booed a little bit in the game and totally changed his tune and was extremely salty after and uh, gave an incredibly iconic press conference. And, and he, uh, <laughs> I was going to try to mimic it. I can't even do that. Maybe I'll find, I'll find the audio here. But it's over. Let's move on. Were you surprised at the level of uh, intensity of the crowd, the boos? That's about the loudest I've heard this place ever. <laughs> <laughs> Really, after after uh, it only took seven years of me leaving for them to uh, get into the game. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there was mixed. Uh, you know, it was a nice tribute. <laughs> really, <laughs> really. 
childish afterward. And he was exactly, exactly the guy the Sabres thought they were getting rid of when they traded him. And um, I don't know. Sabres fans just, just feel, just feel like they were wronged by Jack Eichel somehow. And a lot of that's not even his fault, but that's uh, his, his demeanor, his attitude. Uh, really left a bad taste in people's mouths, and I think they're still mad about it. And I think you're going to hear some booze tomorrow night. And until you know, until he changes his attitude, that's probably going to continue. You know, if he grew up about it a little bit, and if he said, you know, if he if he was an adult in the press conference and just said, you know, they, you know, just acted how you would expect someone to act who who's a grown up, it would probably go away. And and, and it's that amateur. You know, the huh? Oh, 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 really? You know, the video is iconic. And until he drops that attitude, I think he's still going to get the exact same treatment from Sabres fans. Anyway, should be a should be a good game. The Sabres are got a good start to the season. They lost three in a row at this point, but they're certainly in contention. They got to keep scoring. They got to keep winning. Um, and maybe a visit from the Pacific Division leading Golden Knights is exactly what they need to get back on track. So it certainly helped out last year. They, they were on a hot streak after the Eichel game last year. So, all right. We usually end giving you a pick for the Bills game this week. But with Josh Allen's injury, uh, the line has moved a lot. I think the Bills started off as a big favorite, and now the line is down to three and a half. Bills minus three and a half at home against the 7-1 Minnesota Vikings. Do you like Case Keenum and Stefan Diggs against their former team? Which is what I'm expecting. Um, my, my, my real take here is uh, this line is, you know, kind of hedging that Josh Allen could still play. I think it, when it comes out that he's not going to play and Case Keenum is, is going to start, I think that line's going to move even more toward the Vikings. And if you're thinking of taking the Bills, I would just say wait. I would say wait on it until – uh, Keenum is is either confirmed or reported to be a starter and wait for that line to move. Um, we also could could have some weather in this game. Uh, there's a chance for snow on Sunday in Orchard Park. So right now it's Bills minus three and a half over under 43 and a half. Um, my, I think that the Bills are still a better team. You know they don't want to lose two in a row. They should be getting some guys back on defense. I'm really saying wait until the line moves, then take the Bills. That's what I'm going with. I told you I would take the Bills in almost every single game this year. Even without Josh Allen, I am admittedly pushing the limits of that proclamation. I'm still taking them with the hedge. Wait for the line to move again. Uh, over under 43, I don't know. I'd have to look more into the weather. If the weather looks bad, I would, I would certainly uh, – I like hammering weather unders. But uh, right now, I don't. That, that's a little too close for me. I'd probably just pass on that one. But all right, that's all we got. Thank you to our sponsor, Ethos Performance Rehab. If you want to feel better, train better, perform better, feel better afterward, anything that any other verb that ends with doing it better, call Ethos Performance Rehab. Tell them the process sent you. Find them on Instagram at, at Ethos Performance Rehab. Um, I also want to say, Charlie, come on back soon. I miss you. Charlie's coming to Buffalo. If you happen to see a guy who, who looks, well, he's just going to be saying go Bills a lot. Let's be honest, but that doesn't really narrow it down. I don't know how you would pick out Charlie, but if you see Charlie in Buffalo or you'd send us a DM, say, Hey, let's get a beer. Let's get coffee. 
Um, who knows? I think maybe he's got some time to schedule or he would make time for a dedicated listener of the Process Podcast. Now, I'm, I'm just getting him in trouble. I'm signing him up for checks he can't cash. But all right. Thank you for listening. If you got a question, you can hit us up on Twitter at the underscore Process Podcast. I'm at Nick Veronica on Twitter. Charlie's at ChaWit68. And thank you for listening. Have a good weekend. Remember to always trust the process.